Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. I believe that God has something for each and every one of us this morning. Uh, Exodus chapter 2 is a packed chapter. Uh, it was hard to get past verse 3 to even do other observations. <laughs> so I hope you're ready. I hope your spirit is ready. Your heart is ready to receive God's word. All right, so let's pray and dive in. So, Father, I thank you for each and every person that is listening uh, this morning and each and every person that has come to hear from you. Holy Spirit, we just pray that your voice would be so clear to us today, that God, as you speak, you know your servants are listening. So, Lord, I just pray that you would give us uh, assignments today, that you would show us how to follow you today, and Lord, what our next may be. And we give this time to you, as in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. All right, let's dive in. Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. It says, now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe. And her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to uh, Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, looking this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian and seven daughters, excuse me, had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs uh, to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. When the girls returned to rule their father, he said to them, why have you returned so early today? They answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. And where is he? Rule asked his daughters. 
Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Moses agreed to stay with the man and gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their uh, cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Come on, what a good chapter. What stood out to you guys? Did you have some verses that stood out to you? Was there anything that God was saying to you guys? Put it in the chat. I would love to see what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Uh, we're going to break down some verses as we go along. And uh, if I see something, <clears throat> oh, excuse me. If I see something in the chat, maybe we can unpack it together. So the first verse I want to break down is verse three. It says, but when she could no longer hide him, meaning Moses, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. So this is Moses and his mother named Jochebed. So I, this verse, and this is kind of like why we love doing soaps, why we love just taking our time in the word, going verse by verse, and letting the Holy Spirit break things down. Because if we just pass by verses like this, sometimes we're not getting like some deep nutrients that God wants to give us. Right here, what's happening is like a little bit of context from uh, yesterday's chapter. Pharaoh was ordering that all young boys be killed as they come out of the womb. It was a horrific thing. And he was doing it to stop the influx of population of Hebrew men to put a dent in it so that they would not overtake the Egyptians. Now, right here, Jochebed has her son, Moses, doesn't name him yet, just has her baby. And if you can imagine the fear that was inside of her heart of how long can I hide this boy before someone finds me? How long can I have this child before someone finds him? And if you can imagine, like all her friends, uh, all her friends' children at that time, if they were born as boys, they would have been lumped into that uh, area of killing them as they came out of the womb. So the fear that was inside of, like, I can't imagine the fear in her heart as she had a child and what we wanted, uh, she'd be wanting to celebrate. But instead, she's sitting there, how can I preserve this child that God has given me and God has blessed me with? And the way she preserves the child is so unorthodox. She gets a basket. She grabs this basket. She makes it waterproof and puts her baby in the basket. Imagine the temperature of the atmosphere around and the culture for her to say, it's better for me to put my child in a basket than it is for me to hold on to him. He's safer getting put in a basket and sailed down the river than uh, inside of my own arms growing up at home. And she put Moses inside of the river and he sailed right on down. And, you know, we know this hindsight that Pharaoh's daughter found him. Uh, but I want us to just kind of think about this uh, as far as an application. What thing or person do you need to put in the basket today? Because when we want to hold on to something and uh, we're really like holding it close to our heart, holding it close to our chest, we are saying, God, I can do this better than you can. God, I can actually handle this. And, you know, I know you can do great things, but I can handle this all on my own. I don't need to put it in the basket. I don't need to actually release something to you. 
Right here, Jochebed took the ultimate step of saying, Lord, I trust you with my children. Lord, I trust you with everything I have. I'm putting him in the basket and sailing him down the river. And I want to share this old preacher line with you. It goes, when we work, we work. When we pray, God works. <laughs> That's an old school preacher line. When we pray, God does the heavy lifting. But if we want to take the heavy lifting, many times the Lord will say, I'll let you lift it until you're ready to roll it onto me and roll it at the foot of the cross. So right here, this baby is floating down the river. And uh, this chapter in this verse, like I said, this thing is so packed. Uh, some years ago, probably like four or five years ago, uh, I can't remember how much of uh, our story and ministry story I shared with you guys, but I was an associate and lead pastor prior to being a youth pastor. Uh, it was the first church that I came up in. I had the privilege of leading young adults there and helping on like the executive side of just doing operations and all that kind of stuff. And I learned a lot at this church. Uh, I had the privilege of stepping into the lead role when the pastor retired. And who knows, just because uh, some blessings come around, they're not always blessings. Uh, if that makes any sense, this is why we need discernment when things are opening up. Uh, I was young. I wasn't ready. Uh, just be transparent with you guys. And I didn't have my limp yet. I was more of the one who would say, I'm going to hold on to Moses rather than put him in a basket. I was too headstrong. So God had to break that through humbling me of you know resigning from the role. And that church is wonderful now, by the way. They're fantastic. But when I was the lead pastor there, I preached this sermon from Exodus 2 verse three. And it was all about who or what do you need to put in the basket? And it was over the course of COVID because I stepped into lead ministry five weeks before COVID happened. It was a blast. And uh, as I was preaching the Mother's Day message of who or what do you need to put in the basket, we were doing it online. And the Holy Spirit really just hit me. And he said, uh, tell them to literally write down who or what needs to go in that basket. And write down the children that they're praying for, because so many of us uh, have been praying for children, grandchildren, friends, best friends, cousins to give their lives to Jesus. But hear me, God can do so much more with them in the basket than with them in our arms. And what that means is I'm not looking to rebuttal with them. I'm not looking to fight with them. Instead, I'm looking to share the love of Jesus with them at every turn that I can. Because once I put them in the basket, I know God is going to get control of it. So that's the first thing on verse three. What thing or person do you need to put in the basket? And what's pretty cool is after uh, we still have people to this day that we're connected with in that church, they still have their baskets sitting inside of their uh, devotional room in their offices with the names of their children inside of there that they're saying, God, they belong to you. So I want to encourage you uh, when you give something to God, don't take it back. <laughs> All right. And another thing I want us to uh, observe about the same exact verse uh, right here, Jacobed was doing more than just uh, uh, saving her own child. Well, in her head, she was really saving her child. But what she was doing was a legacy work. And uh, the definition of legacy is an amount of money or property left to someone inside of the will. And we all leave a legacy behind us. Uh, after we pass, uh, sometimes in like, you know, the, the closing chapters of life, but we always leave something behind us. You know, it, it may not be a million dollars, it may not be a billion dollars, but some of us leave peace behind us. Some of us leave goodness and mercy behind us, right? Just like David, goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. Though That's the legacy that David was leaving behind him. So right here, 
Jochebed, uh, the Lord through Jochebed was doing a legacy work because God was so much bigger than Moses and Jochebed. You see, she was trying to preserve her child, but God was preserving a nation. She was trying to preserve one child, but he was preserving his children because Moses would be the one to deliver the people of Israel out from underneath of the slavery of Egypt. And when they put him in the basket and said, I'm trusting you, God, it was more than just him surviving. It was the people of Israel becoming free and walking in the promises that God has destined for them. So our other application question for this morning is, what are you passing along? What are you passing along to your family? What are you passing along to your friends? Because this life is so much bigger than us. You know, that's kind of like cliche and like obvious this life is bigger than us. But think about this. We are but a blip on the timeline of God's history of what he's doing here on the earth. We are just one moment in what he's doing. And I'm not like minimizing anything like what we do, like God love, like loves when we serve him. But it's just a small moment. And if we think about it, if we just live for that moment and not for the legacy, what are we doing to inhibit what God wants to do here on the earth? So I want to ask you, what are you passing along? kind of share with you um uh i grew up in a home where alcoholism was so prevalent and it was a generational curse inside of the household uh all the way back from generations 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 you know i grew up a uh, very irish <laughs> uh so when my wife and i got married we made a decision i didn't say we got married it was way prior we made a decision that um we were not going to pass alcoholism along to our children and generations. We were going to pass along freedom to them. So the two of us decided we're abstaining from alcohol. We're abstaining from doing these different things because this is something our family has dealt with. And we want our family to walk in the freedom and love of Jesus. And that's what we want to pass along to them. So what are you passing along? No, oh, excuse me. So verse, what are we at here? Verse 10 says, Pharaoh's daughter named him Moses. Or excuse me, I'm sorry. Let me find myself over here. <laughs> when the child grew older, um, I'm sorry, I'm like trying to find a place. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter. Looks like we lost Pastor Harry. I hope that he'll be back in a second. I noticed his internet was a little skippy and then uh, he disappeared. Does anybody want to volunteer to finish the message this morning? Raise your hand. Hopefully he'll be back in a moment. I am unprepared to finish it out this morning. I know Bob or Doug could probably do it. Maybe Paul what happens when he comes back so if you're just jumping on board we lost pastor harry um not sure uh what's going on but his internet must have went down to just kind of skippy a little bit and uh hopefully he'll be back soon um if not that'll be one of the shortest 6 a.m soaps recorded in the last three years um, we're 16 minutes in and uh, we'll, we'll be done but let's see if he comes back i'm not sure what's happening with him I haven't got any text from him, so we'll figure it out. But if you guys uh, are available 9 a.m. Uh, today, prayer and worship is happening at EHT Live. Check that out if you haven't uh, been there in person in a while or check it out online. Um, 
we uh, also are doing 6 a uh, 6.30 p.m. revival prayer this evening, and Ladies of Mongo Day is happening um, next Wednesday, one week from today with some bull riding. Here he comes. Let's see what happens. Pastor Harry, are you there? Let me get you unmuted. It automatically muted you. There you go. All right. We are here. Can everyone hear me? Yes. So good. sorry about that. All right, let's dive right back in. <laughs> uh, I don't know what happened. So I don't know if our internet kicked out for a couple of seconds, but we seem to be back in and doing well. So let's check out, dive back right into the word, verse 10. It says, when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses saying, I drew him out of the water. This is so cool to me because Pharaoh's daughter had no idea what God wanted to accomplish through Moses' life. And he would be the granddaughter, or excuse me, the grandson uh, of the man that he was going to be freeing the nation of Israel from, which is so profound as to what God does. And it's kind of like that old saying, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. <laughs> Not that we view people as our enemies, but we're viewing slavery as the enemy in this situation. And Moses was named to draw out. Moses' name was prophetic to what he would do for the nation of Israel to deliver them out from underneath of Egypt's rule. And he would be the one to lead the people out and draw them out. You see, the names that are spoken over us matter. Hear me, what is spoken over you matters. The Bible says that in the tongue is the power of life and death. And in so many ways, when our mouth and speech are unsanctified, it's like in the book of Proverbs, it says that is an open tomb. And even James 3, if you're familiar with James 3, that's like my conviction chapter. There's not a day I read James chapter 3 and not get convicted about my speech. <laughs> the Lord has continued. That's like that chapter. Like, all right, I need God to, uh, to disciple me today. That's where I'm going. Um, but what name has God spoken over you? What verse has God spoken over you? And I would encourage you that if you don't have verses that you pray regularly during your prayer time, find some verses, find something that's like, you know, it's special to you. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you through that verse. Adopt it a part of your prayer life. Adopt it a part of your devotional life. When you get on to do your, you know, Monday or uh, Wednesday morning so. Hop on. Okay, Lord, what do you want to do? God, I know you have plans for me, plans to prosper me and a hope in a future. And Lord, I'm just going to step into that today as we uh, uh, digest your word and receive from you. So what is God speaking over you? Right here, God was speaking to draw out my people over Moses. And, you know, kind of as an example, uh, some of us may be familiar as far as like something that's spoken over people is like the title of pastor you know, pastor so-and-so, and we kind of tie it to this, uh, you know, office and identity side. I, I want to share with you, you know, there's nothing wrong with honoring a minister that is serving the Lord at all. Like we want to honor one another in everything that we do. But on the flip side, I'll tell you what, pastoring is not a task that we accomplish. Hear me? You know, it's not just something we're checking off the box during the day. Pastor is who someone is because it's the nature of who they are expressed as a gift that God has given to his church, like it says in Ephesians 4. And for us following Jesus, you know, 
we may not, not everyone is called the pastor, not everyone is called to go, you know, operate in like vocational ministry, but on the flip side, everyone is called to ministry. And it's so cool to me because when God starts speaking to someone, you could tell who they are. He starts speaking hospitality over them and hospitality no longer becomes a role that you do in GX. Come on, someone. Hospitality becomes who you are and you're a hospitable person. And that gift is what makes the way for God to touch people's hearts through that role. It's not just what we do. It's who you are. And just like Pastor Mondo shared, I believe it was this previous Sunday. I'm pretty sure I put in my notes where he said, we are not human doings or human beings. And the aspect is we are being in God. We are being in what he's spoken over our lives. We are being and resting in the promises that he's had for us and spoken over us because he is not slow to keep his promise and he is not slow to bless his people. So human beings, not human doings. And our application is what name or what verse has God spoken over you? And if you don't have one today, like where it's like, oh, you know, there's not that verse that like draws me. It's all good. Just pray. The Holy Spirit will bring it up to you. You know, there's no pressure to say, oh, I have to go find a verse today. Let God lead you in that devotional life. Amen. All right. We're going to push on into verse 12 through 15 verse 12 through 15 it says looking this way looking this way and that seeing no one he killed the egyptian and hid him in the sand the next day he went out and saw two hebrews fighting he asked the one in the wrong why are you hitting your fellow hebrew the man said who made you ruler and judge over us are you thinking of killing me as you killed the egyptian then moses was afraid and thought what I did must have become known. Verse 15, when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian where he sat down by a well. This is quite profound. Uh, Moses's uh, grandfather or Pharaoh now wanted to kill Moses for what he did. And I want to kind of zero in on this because Moses was, uh, uh, he was a Hebrew. He was an Israelite. And in this moment, he was kind of deviating just a little bit from following Christ to, okay, how can I be a defender? And that kind of ties into what has God spoken over Moses' life. God spoke Moses to be a defender and a deliverer, to draw the people out. However, when it's misused, it could be get put all the way to the point where let me kill this guy and bury him and hope no one finds out. And I want to dive into this uh, topic very briefly of the importance of living what we believe because Moses was hoping he would do something and it wouldn't be found out. And however, it was found out. Uh, you know, you don't really have to go that far to find uh, a fallen person in the body of Christ and to find a fallen person in the corporate world. And it's sad to say that, you know, if you kind of catch what I'm saying, we really don't have to go that far to find them. You know, you just kind of have to go on Facebook and scroll for about 30 seconds and we'll find someone who wasn't uh, living what they believed. But I'll tell you what, God has called us to live what we believe. And I'm not casting any shame today. I'm not having any shame of those people who have uh, fallen, chosen their flesh uh, or the call. You know, my desire is that God redeems them. God pulls them back into their assignment. Uh, you know, depending on the degree of, you know, what happened. And, but the importance of living what we believe, because people are watching, they're always watching. You know, when we lose our temper in the, the kitchen, believe it or not, our grandchildren are watching, our children are watching, and they're hearing it. And I'll share a quick story with you. Uh, I worked in restaurant before ministry. 
my job was to plant and open restaurants for a restaurant group. So, uh, you know, that was like the end game goal for what I was doing. And I was working on the line one day inside of the kitchen. And while I was in there, we're backed up on orders. I'm helping out the best I can. I'm just flipping burgers. You know what I mean? Like you just got to get in where you fit in and get the job done. Uh, however, as I'm working there, people started asking questions and I, it rubbed me the wrong way, church. I would like just be very transparent. Uh, it rubbed me the wrong way. How and what questions they were asking when I'm just thinking, can you let me flip these burgers so your people can eat? <laughs> and uh, I snapped a little bit at the people on the line. I snapped at our servers. And I remember they walked away. They went and got help from someone else. And as I kept on flipping the burgers, the Holy Spirit just very simply said to me, you have to be faithful in every situation that I've placed you in. And I want you to live for me in every situation that I've placed you in. So you better believe as soon as we got through that lunch rush, I hopped up. I went right to the people that I had spoken down to, spoken poorly to. I apologized. I let them know, please do not take this as a reflection on Christ. Take it as a reflection on me being imperfect and how much I need Christ. And I'll tell you what, it was so amazing what God did inside of that restaurant. Towards the end of my tenure there, uh, we did Thursday morning Bible studies together inside of the restaurant. When I first got there, they told me, you can't even say God bless you because our reins were so tight on the religious aspect of the, of the work. And by the end, the Lord had made such a way where there was a Bible study happening and people were hearing the word of God. It was so powerful. So there is so much importance in living what we believe. And my application question for that one uh, wouldn't be so much of, oh, you know, what is it that we need to shift? It would be more of, is there someone that maybe uh, we have wronged that we need to go apologize to? Is there someone we've wronged that we need to go apologize to? Because I'll tell you what, the church has to be the bigger person. The body of Christ has to be the bigger person to say, I'm sorry for what I did. It's not a reflection on my God. It's just a reflection on me being imperfect. So uh, ask and pray, Lord, how can I like how can I reach the people that I've hurt? Because it's not about how we fall. It's about how we get back up. <clears throat> and to close the soap, verse 24, that point here, it says, God heard their groaning and remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. I These two words messed me up for a long time because I could not understand what the Lord was saying through this verse. It says, God remembered. It's important to know, God never forgot his people. Like, it wasn't like he forgot and remembered. What was happening was, is he was looking, or I shouldn't say looking, he was waiting for the opportune time to fulfill his promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that remembering is this is the opportune moment. It's here now. And now we're going to capitalize on it. And God remembers a lot of things. He remembers his promises. He remembers his word and he does not forget. But what's beautiful to me is there is something that God does forget and it's sin. I think it's incredible that God will not remember our sin. And just as the Bible says, he cast it into a sea called forgetfulness. And the thing that I think is beautiful is, uh, and it's almost like God, how, how can God who knows everything forget something? And it's so simple. He chooses to, he chooses to forget our sin. And he made such a strong act of how much he will choose to forget our sin on the cross. That was a statement to all of humanity. That was a statement to heaven and hell, both. 
that we are choosing to forget sin for all of those who would embrace the grace, love, and mercy of Jesus. And God remembers his promises. He is not slow in keeping them. So my application question for this is, is there something that you hold against yourself? Uh, perhaps it's a past sin. Perhaps it's shame. Uh, that it's something you've done in the past that the Lord wants to address and really help you kind of not necessarily forget because it's a part of your testimony, but to not let it have a hold on you any longer. Because there's this, uh, <laughs> there's this old wheel that we have, we call it the shame, fear, control wheel. When we feel shame about something, we start to feel fear that people will find out. And because we feel fear that people will find out and move into control to control the situation so no one will find out about our shame. Hear me, Fusion Church. God knows what's going on inside of your heart. God knows the inner workings of your mind. God knows everything that's going on. And he doesn't want to cast shame on you. He wants to cast salvation on you from shame. So the application is, <laughs> uh, is there an area that I need to walk out of concerning shame today? So that is our Wednesday morning soap from Exodus chapter two. I pray that God blesses you with his word today. And I'm also going to pray that God opens up divine appointments from for each and every one of us to share his love with people today so that <clears throat> the message and the name of Jesus can become famous down here in South Jersey. Amen, church. Awesome. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are for us and not against us. That God, in everything that we do, you're here next to us enabling us to serve your people and enabling us to serve those far from you. So Holy Spirit, we just pray, have your way inside of our lives. Show us what we need to put in the basket. Show us what we need to release over to you, whether it be shame, whether it be uh, 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 certain areas of our life that we've withheld from you. God, prune our hearts today so that we could serve you and be made into your image. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. All right, Fusion Church, God bless you. Have a great day.